Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host... Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Yeah, I stabbed a man in the heart. I saw that. Brick killed a guy. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. Brick, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You should find yourself a safe house or a relative close by. Lay low for a while, because you're probably wanted for murder. I'm proud of you fellas. You all kept your head on a swivel, and that's what you gotta do when you find yourself in a vicious cockfight. Michael Preston. It really did, uh, it did get out of hand fast, didn't it? Did pretty dang quick. I'll go over some of the uh, some of the highlights of that game. And actually, other than you know losing the football game, it was a good football game. Uh, the Utah Man Podcast. Scott from the Utah Man Podcast going to join us later. Preview the Utah Utes. Todd Schulenberger from the WSU Women's Soccer Team. He's their head coach. Your top ten ranked WSU Women's Soccer Team. A soccer team who swept the Pac-12 Player of the Week honors. Uh, this week for their one nothing win at UCLA. Somebody won in Southern California last Friday, at least. He will join us later to talk about his soccer team, which, by the way, they're 8-0. And no ties, no losses, no nothing. They have not lost or tied yet this year. They are 8-0 so far on the season. That's pretty good. He's going to join us in a little bit uh, as well. As always, we'll end with our Dunderhead of the Week and ask Michael anything. I mean, I it's 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 disappointing from the standpoint of you look at that football game and you realize that there's a game Washington State I I say frankly should have won on a short week down at SC against a USC football team that was basically fighting for their lives. They were one and two coming into that game having lost their last two in a row. They got beat down by Stanford and Palo Alto. Lost in relatively hum- humiliating, for them anyway, fashion to Texas in Austin. And that was a game that was there for the taking. And Washington State didn't take it, or it got away from them. Defensive backs who had looked good to this point looked lost. Tons of pass interference penalties. Uh, and the the penalty disparity is wide for Washington State. 11 penalties for 118 yards in that game compared to 8 for 65 for USC. I, I, that's, that's a football game you should have won. And we'll get, we'll get to the Porter Gustin stuff uh, here in a little bit. But I want to talk about, um, and, Jeff, and Jeff talked about it a little bit in his Monday column as well, that a three-point loss is at least encouraging for this team because USC is still USC, no matter what year it is, no matter who you know how down they are, it is still USC. It is still a short week to go on the road and play in the Coliseum against a team that's probably better than they've been the first third of the season. And a quarterback in JT Daniels, that is our own Jesse Casino, said, "You know, you are glad you're getting this kid this year." But even then, he seemed to be hitting his stride. And I am happy for when the Trojans are off the schedule for the next two years, and he's probably going to leave after his junior year of eligibility. Uh, I, 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 I am days removed from this game, and I am happy with how it went. I am encouraged because I was one of those guys who thought that this football team 
was going to need some time to recover and was going to need this year to rebuild. And it's clear, as Jeff said in his column on Monday, and again, as Jesse has said before, that if the rebuilding year floor, if the floor is five to six wins, then that is encouraging if you're Washington State. If the floor is probably getting to a bowl game in a rebuilding year, that is a very good thing. Now, I still don't understand why the Pac-12 made the decision to not let five and seven teams be eligible for bowl games because that would have been helpful for Washington State this year when you think your margin is going to be pretty thin on that. But still, I think if this is the floor, if this is truly as bad as things are going to get, that's a very good thing. Gardner Minshew looked the part. The moment did not look too big for him on Friday, did it? 37 for 52 on the day, 344 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And he was checking into runs near the end zone when he should. And I think, you know, part of that, you know, the lower touchdown total than last year with Luke Falk because he's checking into those runs at the line better. James Williams is just money inside the five-yard line. The kid has just got a nose for the end zone this year. And he's looked very capable out of the backfield catching passes as well. He had that incredible catch uh, near the end of the game on Friday. Uh, Max Borgie has been an absolute battering ram, and I am so tickled that we get to have him on this football team for a while. That is, I'm just thrilled that he gets to be here. This team rose to the occasion, and yes, they didn't play well down the stretch. USC got back into the game, took over. The defensive line had trouble uh, getting pressure all night long. That's just something that, you know, again, it's USC. But... I, I am at least encouraged. I'm encouraged by this from the drive chart. Field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. I'm less encouraged by punt, punt, touchdown, punt, missed field goal. But five straight drives. Five straight times Washington State had the ball they scored. Five straight drives against USC. They had the football they scored. That is a very good thing. That is very, 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 very good. And by the way, if you were watching at home and you had no vested interest in this, this was an exciting football game because let's go over the overall drive chart from the end of the first quarter till the basically the middle of the third. Touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. That's both teams. <laughs> you're going to tell me that that's, that's an exciting football game if you're just watching it at home. But again, if, the, if this is... As bad as it gets, we are in very good shape. I was encouraged by the fact as well that you saw Tay Martin disappear a little bit in that game, and I haven't rewatched it enough to see if it was a matter of him being covered or whatnot. I know he still caught three balls for one yard, unfortunately just the one yard, but other receivers stepped up. E- stepped up. Aesop Winston had six catches for 143 yards. James Williams, seven catches out of the backfield. Jameer Calvin had seven catches. Desmond Patman, by the way, I am thrilled for him. Uh, We've been waiting two years for him to really make an appearance. He gets his first collegiate touchdown, and he seems to have, with Gardner Minshew, and now in his junior season, to have really started to get over that hump of being a guy. He just did. He just was nowhere the last two years. He just did not make an appearance. Didn't beat anybody out. But he really seems to be coming along, and I am thrilled for him this year that he is finally getting that done. So you saw other receivers step up in Tay Martin's absence. The offensive line, by the way, we cannot say enough about how well they played in that game. USC, again, they are USC. They have some athletes. 
and they are going to get to the quarterback, and the offensive line did a great job keeping Gardner Minshew upright all night long. One sack. One sack on the day for USC. And I I think we were all a little concerned about the offensive line after San Jose State and after Eastern. They got to Gardner Minshew a little bit, and this confirmation that they seem to really be coming along, and I think to this point a little bit better than last year, which is, again, a surprise. I was not expecting them to be better than they were last year. Again, we still have eight games to go, but that was a surprise. Overall, I'm encouraged. Overall, yes, we have every reason to be upset after that. It's a game in LA that you could be 4-0 for the first time since, my God, the Roosevelt administration, and that's the first Roosevelt. That was a startling stat to see. You could be 4-0 right now. But... 3-1 3-1 and one is as optimistic as I think anybody was to this point in the season. I think that's as optimistic as anybody can be. And this team now knows they can hang with the class of the conference, at least in the South. I would point out that there are four top 25 teams in the Pac-12, and they are all in the North Division. Seems to be the harder division this year. Uh, we'll touch on one more thing before I move on to uh, next week. I, I just, if we're going to value player safety, then what are we doing with Port Augustine? I, I, that is such an egregiously dirty hit, and I, I really hesitate to use that word, but it was. Stop, turn, launch, crown of the helmet first into Minshew's helmet. And I'm no doctor, but I would be genuinely surprised if Porter, if, uh, Gardner Minshew didn't have at least some level of a concussion after that. That is dangerous. And that is, I, that, that, that type of hit. We say this, I get preached all the time about things that have no place in football, but that has no place in football, especially at the collegiate level. I mean, bad enough at the professional level where these guys do it for a living and you have kind of at that point accepted that my line of work is, is dangerous in terms of head trauma. But we have no idea if any of these kids are moving on to the NFL. So they're here on scholarship. They're here to go to school. In theory, that's what the NCAA says. So that kind of hit, especially coming from a kid who is literally coming off a suspension for that in this half. How do you not keep your eye on him? USC fans can complain about the Logan Tago hit all they want. It was not as egregious, and it was properly flagged and reviewed. A flag was thrown, as it should have been. Gustin's hit was worse, no penalty whatsoever. And the Pac-12 has no recourse because no flag was thrown. I think that's something you can fix. I'm not here to tell the Pac-12 what they can and cannot do. But, you know, I get that you don't want to just legislate if there was no flag thrown. I totally understand that but you need to train your officials better keep an eye on the kid maybe who's coming off a suspension for doing that exact thing that he did maybe keep an eye on him because he's not going to learn if you don't (coughs) excuse me that is dangerous it is egregious it is disgusting and i'm i i just it's I, I've, I've been plenty worked up about it the past few days. I want to move on from it because I, you know, it, it's in the past. It happened in a game in the past, but my God. How do you not? And, and this is not the first time 
targeting penalties have been missed. I, it, 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 it is, if we're talking about player safety, the referees need to be better versed in it. And I understand refereeing football is a hard thing to do. But that, is, that has got to be like job number one for referees. A player that vulnerable, in that vulnerable of a position, after Minshew's thrown the ball, after he's being tackled to the ground, to get hit like that? My lord. That is, I just, I've said my piece with it, and that's fine. Uh, the Utah game. The Utes every year, right? They're going to dark horse in the Pac-12 South. <laughs> and they just aren't on a yearly basis. Uh, it, it. I, I, I am uh, weirdly confident about this game. I know Utah has a very good defense, but you go back and look at the schedule they've played, and outside of that Washington game, they, uh, they've only played two other games. They played against Weber State, which was voted to finish second in the Big Sky behind Eastern Washington, who Washington State beat by five touchdowns. And then they played Northern Illinois in Illinois. And according to Bill Connolly's S&P, uh, Northern Illinois is worse than Wyoming. And they had to scrape that one out. 17 to 6. What scares me about this Utes offense is Zach Moss, who I think has been there forever. At least it seems that way. Uh, he's averaging 6.3 yards a touch so far this season. Uh, but other than that, Tyler Huntley doesn't scare me. 6.4 yards an attempt. Four touchdowns, two interceptions. The offense doesn't scare me. It's the defense I'm worried about. Utah always seems to have a very stout defense, but for some reason, Mike Leach's teams have had a decent time moving the ball against Utah the past few years, or at least ever since Mike Leach got here outside of that first year beatdown they had in Salt Lake City. So I'm not overly worried about... Washington State's defense, I think they'll be able to handle Utah's offense. It's whether the WSU offense can move the ball against this Utes defense. And as Jeff said on in his column on Monday, this kind of becomes a really critical game if you want to get bowl eligible. Because I look down the schedule for the rest of the season, and the next week against Oregon State is certainly a game you should win. Oregon is not going to be an easy game whatsoever. The next week at Stanford, equally as hard. And then your month of November is really where you're going to have to make your bread. Or make your hay. Arizona, Cal. Or excuse me, Cal, Arizona. I'm going to get the order right. Cal, Colorado, Arizona. Cal's ranked. Colorado, maybe not as good as we think. And Arizona is struggling under Kevin Sumlin. you got to find three wins somewhere else in these remaining eight games. And picking one up against Utah would give you some breathing room to drop a whoopsie-daisy game. To drop a game that you shouldn't be dropping because you're already at four wins. And getting to five next week against Oregon State, again, you got to pick up one more the rest of the year. So, it's weird to say that a final game in September in front of a homecoming crowd is a kind of a critical must-win game, but this is kind of a critical must-win game a little bit. (laughs) If you want to get ball eligible, it's kind of a... Really got to do this. Really got to win this football game. We're going to preview the Utah Utes next with the Utah Man Podcast. Scott from the Utah Man Podcast. We will talk to him. See how, see what he thinks of the Utes and this matchup with Washington State this week. It should be a dandy of a ball game. It usually is with Utah. 
close games that stress me out and cause me to bite my nails. We'll have more on that next in the Food Center. <laughs> Back here on the Coug Center Hour, we need to talk about the Utah Utes. Uh, the team in Salt Lake City plays their games on the beautiful Wasatch Front uh, with the best skiing, I think, uh, in the West. And I'm not, I'm not just trying to butter Scott Ulmer from the Utah Man podcast up, but uh, that 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 powder so fluffy and dry, you know, the powdered sugary goodness. And uh, do you like do you ski at all, Scott, or is that just like something you managed to resist down there? Because I know. It's gotten expensive in Utah over the years, and Deer Valley's like 160 bucks a day or some crap now. Yeah, Deer Valley, you got to be the upper 10 percent to ski at Deer Valley. But yeah. uh, no, it. Uh, yeah, I ski. I, I, yeah. I definitely ski. We we get that good lake effect snow. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's there's definitely uh, quite the attraction here uh, to come uh, to come ski some of the different mountains. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I don't do it as much as I probably should, uh, but I, I get up uh, a number of times. As long as you go to Red Iguana more than you probably should, that's probably a good thing. Uh, there you go. I want to talk about the Utah Utes uh, right, just overall right now. 2-1 and one on the season. Wins over Weber State and Northern Illinois in a loss uh, to Washington down at Rice-Eccles. Uh, just kind of give me your overall thoughts on how the season... I mean, you know, we're only three games in. Utah had a very early bye, obviously, last weekend. They didn't play. Um, so just give me your thoughts overall as they're a quarter of the way through their season. Well, you know, it, it is still early, especially coming off a bye. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the overall feel for the program itself and the fan base is, is quite a bit of disappointment. This was this was supposed to be the year. Utah is the only team in uh, the South Division that has not won the division. Yeah. And uh, this was supposed to be the year that they did it. Uh, USC's got a new young quarterback. Uh, um, Arizona, we've seen kind of how they started the season. And so uh, there were some high expectations that this would be the time that the Utes could, uh, could march through and get the job done. And they still could, but it has definitely been a disappointment to how they've started the season. Just offensively, um, you know, not up to par by, by really any means. Just uh, struggling to move the ball. Um, just not scoring points. Um, defense, defense does what it really always does at Utah. They're they're, they're phenomenal, and they mm-hmm. um, they're they're what keep, is keep they are what keeps Utah in the game essentially. Yeah. And but it's just the offense just continues to struggle. So overall, there's still a lot of games left to be played, and we'll see how how everything plays out. Um, but uh, there's an overall disappointment so far yeah. at the start of the season. 
I think I said in the opening, uh, before we started our interview, I, you know, in the opening of the podcast, I said about Utah is, you know, I think the theme for them, and you kind of touched on it there, has been over the years, I've never really been too worried about the offense. It's always been the defense I've been worried about. Zach Moss is obviously a very talented running back. He's averaging about 6.3 yards a touch so far this year, and he's housed a long uh, TD run as well. What has been the biggest struggle? Because I know Tyler Huntley is still kind of looking like a quarterback, you, you know, not... You know, not incapable, but he's not the kind of the quarterback you want to lead this offense. So what has been the biggest struggle? Has it been the passing game, or is there something else that uh, I'm missing that has been the biggest issue for the Utah offense? No, the passing game is is by far the the biggest struggle. And as Washington State fans, I know you guys probably don't even understand how that's possible, because that's all all you guys do. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, Kyle Whittingham has just not been able to get the offense up to par. You know, mm-hmm. countless we, countless OCs hires one after another, um, different types of spreads, and you know uh, he brings in Troy Taylor, um, who doesn't have a lot of experience, but at Eastern Washington put up some big numbers, averaged mm-hmm. 400 yards through the air each game. And that was kind of the hope that he could do that at Utah. Well, so far with Tyler Huntley, it's just it just is, hasn't proven to, to work. Yeah. And um, and in that, Troy Taylor loves to throw the ball, and he's kind of forgotten to run the ball, and that's kind of been some of that frustration offensively for the right. fan base is. We're trying to do something we're not real good at, and we've kind of abandoned uh, the running game, which really, since we've joined the conference and even in the days of the Mountain West, has been the strength of this offense is to run the ball, control Mm -hmm. the clock, and play good defense and good special teams, and that's really how Utah's gotten to this point. And um, so it'll be interesting to see. Kyle Whittingham did mention in this week's press conference that – you know, they've got to start running the ball more. Yeah. And uh, so I would suspect this week you're going to see Utah pound the ball uh, with Moss. Hopefully Moss is, is, is healthy. He's kind of had some uh, some ankle injuries, mm-hmm. and uh, that limited him a little a little uh, two weeks ago against Washington. Right. But uh, I, I think you're going to get a heavy dose um, of the running game this week to try mm-hmm. and, and keep Washington State off the field as much right. as possible. Well, I think I, I wanted to touch on that next because you mentioned it. Uh, I think one of the ways teams limit Wazoo's offensive ability is obviously just limiting the number of possessions they have, which means you're going to have to run the Correct. ball effectively. And if you can't do that, um, you know, you're going to really struggle. So do you think that's kind of the game plan in terms of limiting the offense? Because, I, you know, we've seen that in the past that – you know, Utah has tried to do that. They got a lot of turnovers last year against Wazoo and Salt Lake City. That didn't help things. But it, is that the game plan, do you think, for this one? Is that, you know, you know, try to run the ball a lot because they haven't been able to do it particularly effectively. And I think that's one area that Washington State has been pretty okay at so far this year is limiting the run uh, from the other team. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And if, if at halftime that's not what you're seeing, you may see Kyle Winham fire Troy Taylor on the spot, but uh, <laughs> because he he is making point after point, you can tell there's probably um, some friction maybe between the two. Um, that uh, Kyle wants to run the ball, he knows that's the bread and butter, mm-hmm. and uh, and with the struggles through the passing game, they don't really have a choice at this point. They've right. got to they've got to run the ball. They've got to. Um, 
run clock, long sustained drives, and try and keep uh, Washington State uh, to as few as possessions as possible because this this Utah defense is good enough to, to somewhat contain Washington State. Mm-hmm. And when I, I when I say contain, I'm saying you know probably high twenties, low thirties, and points still. Yeah. The question is is Utah's offense good enough to score that many points and so far through this season they have not been well i want to i'm sorry no go ahead i'm sorry no no you're good i because i want to talk about that a little bit more i mean obviously uh beat weber state by 31 points but that's an fcs opponent probably should win that game i think utah struggled a little bit early on in that game as well but they did put some distance between themselves and the wildcats northern illinois only scoring 17 points against a northern illinois team not a great football team and then seven points against washington but their defense is so otherworldly it's that whatever is that is offense how much of a concern is that against Washington State I know the defense at Washington State not as good as it was last year obviously but Tracy Clays has still been making some strides with his defense in his first year oh you uh, yeah no Washington yeah last year that defense was was fun to watch and yeah and 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 still this year Washington State's defense has proven to be pretty darn good um even if it is a step down from last year Mm -hmm. so ultimately there's there's a lot of concern with Utah um the Northern Illinois game they scored 17 points but seven of those came on a pick six by uh late in the game so really only put up 10 points on the board at Northern Illinois Weber State, they did start slow um, and got it going a little bit towards the end. But again, yeah, it's a, a lower lower tier opponent, so nothing mm-hmm. nothing to, to write home about. And then Washington State, the, or excuse me, Washington game a couple weeks ago, scoring only seven points. You know, if, if, if you watch that game, Utah had they had opportunities to score mm-hmm. um, a late a late interception by a defensive lineman oh man rumbling down <laughs> down the field he's got a dream in his sights to score a touchdown and he fumbles it out of bounds at the 11 yard line yeah and even with that utah still couldn't get the ball into the end zone yeah and mm-hmm. uh, so, so they've they've had they they've looked pretty decent in small in smalls um moments and they just can't sustain drives mm-hmm. um wide receivers have been a big struggle um this year as far as just catching the ball outside of Britton covey who's uh, he's got a, he's averaging uh, just uh i believe just under eight receptions a game he's kind of been uh, a one-man show um through the passing game and yeah. we don't even know he took a beating against Washington, so who knows how uh, if if he'll be healthy or ready to go. But there's there's a lot of concern, um, and and you fans are used to concern offensively. It's kind of the last decade. That's what we deal with. That's yeah. that's what we become accustomed to. But this year is even a little bit different than uh, than years past. They're they are struggling immensely. Before we move on to uh, the defense here, because that is obviously the strength uh, strength of this Utah team, other than Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss, give me a name of someone uh, for Utah that Washington State fans should keep an eye on. You mentioned Britton Covey. We don't, you, you know, might be injured for this game, but is there anybody else on offense for the Utes that uh, fans need to know the name of to keep an eye out for during the homecoming game? Yeah, well, yeah, Britton Covey. He's uh, he's by far um, the number uh, the number one target. And again, we'll, we'll see whether or not uh, he uh, he suits up and is able to play. He's exciting. A little guy, five foot eight, mm-hmm. a former high school quarterback, and 
and uh, but he is fast he's dynamic and uh, so he he brings some excitement to the offense when they can get him the ball um obviously you mentioned moss he's he's really the go-to guy outside of that to be completely honest, there just haven't been a lot of guys that have stepped up to right. to this point and 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 have really been a threat. Seosin Mariner um, is a guy, um, a wide wide receiver. He he had a good game against Weber State. Um, he's been in the program for three years now, and uh, was expecting to kind of be that guy that could kind of take over the number one spot that uh, Darren Carrington had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but graduated, and and we just really haven't seen much from him. Uh, Damari Simpkins, another wide receiver, he he went to the same high school as, as both Huntley and Moss in Florida, and they've kind of been the trio. Um, and he's he's been a little bit of dis- a disappointment so far this mm-hmm. season with four catches for 47 yards. Um, he he even uh, in fall camp uh, claimed himself to be the best wide receiver in the country. So oh, that's good. Put, that's good. You good to back it, it up. Yeah. You put a target on your back, and so far that's what you're producing. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a, of a stretch, but yeah. um, it's not all doom and gloom. You, the, the offensive line is definitely starting to progress and mm-hmm. uh, and provide some better protection and, and uh, block a little bit better in the run game. Um, but it really is going to come down to whether or not uh, they can make uh, enough big plays in the passing game to to compete with Washington State. Let's move on to the defense now. As we've said, obviously, the strength of Utah, and it has been, I think, that way since they joined the conference. It just seems to be uh, what they do better uh, than just about any team in the conference. And Chase Hansen and Cody Barton kind of light up the stat sheet for me. Cody Barton has 26 total tackles, and Chase Hansen has six tackles for a loss and two sacks. And that's, you know, he leads the team uh, in both categories. Just how special of a talent is Chase Hansen at linebacker for Utah? Chase Chase Hansen has been uh, huge for this defense, really for a number of years. This is the first year he's played uh, linebacker. Previous years he's been at the um, strong safety position, so mm-hmm. it moved him a little closer, which really fits him a little bit better. With uh, but he brings some still some decent size and some speed to the linebacking group, and he has been he's been phenomenal. He's the, he scored the pick six against Northern Illinois that really sealed the deal. Um, in week two, um, and he's been just phenomenal, um, really so far. Even against Washington, had a had a great game. He's just uh, really on every play. He's there. He's just he's just making plays. He's in every mm-hmm. tackle, and uh, so he's been a huge bright spot. And Cody Barton, um, he's had some struggles over the years, but he's been phenomenal this year. The the linebacking group overall, they performed extremely well. Mm-hmm. Just three turnovers on the year so far for Utah through three games, so averaging about a turnover a game for this defense. But is the strength of this defense just that they don't let people move the ball and they're going to get back off the field and let the offense back on? Because it, it you know, it seems to me obviously with you know the pretty low uh, point output for every team they've played so far this season is really what Utah specializes in is that they're just not going to let you move the football very well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that, that's been the strength of, of this team, of this of this defense so far, is just getting off the field on third downs, and uh, not not allowing the the offense to sustain drives. Um, mm-hmm. In years past, you know they've been uh, at the top or near the top in turnover margin and and uh, creating turnovers. This year, you really haven't seen that. As you mentioned, only three turnovers um, on the on the year so far. So they haven't really been able to to have a game where 
create a few or maybe even um, create some momentum off of a type of turnover. Um, but th- they're just doing a good job of getting the other team off the field and not allowing those the drives to continue. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm interested to see most in this game against uh, Washington State because – Obviously, with with your guys' passing attack, um, Utah's secondary has performed extremely well so far this season, Mm -hmm. but really has only gone against one good opponent in Washington. And uh, so it'll be a good test to really see how how good – how good we really are and if, mm-hmm. if uh, we can sustain that. Give me one more name uh, on the defense, someone we haven't talked about yet who uh, WSU fans need to keep an eye on in that game on Saturday. Yeah, the, probably across the defensive line. Pitatonga um, mm-hmm. has, uh, has been uh, plays the defensive tackle. Not a real sexy position. Most people are not watching that position uh, throughout the game, but uh, – He's, uh, he's performed uh, really well, along with John Penasini, um, the other defensive tackle. Um, those are probably uh, two guys that, like I said, you're not going to really look for, but they have been making huge impacts in the run game and uh, just kind of stuffing that line of scrimmage. And then right behind mm-hmm. them, you've got uh, two great linebackers who are just scraping everything off. And so it uh, those, are, those are two you're going to want to watch. As far as... Uh, in the secondary, Jalen Johnson, um, he was a big-time recruit when we got him, was a freshman All-American last year, um, and, and he's, he's done well so far. Um, Blackman uh, on the other side, uh, the other corner, he's probably an NFL guy next year. And yeah. uh, so both, both, uh, both starting corners have played really well. Again, you know, they're going to be tested on on Saturday afternoon. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see if they can, uh, if they're up to the task. And uh, um, what we've seen so far is the real deal. Give me a final score prediction. We'll end with that. How you think this game is going to go? I mean, obviously, this is this is an intriguing matchup for me because Utah has a very good defense. Washington State so far this year has had a very good offense. Utah's offense has struggled, and WSU's defense has been okay, and I think better than we expected. So. How do you think this game ends up? The line started like WSU minus two. I think it's moved to Utah minus one. So it's about as close to a pick uh, as it's possible to get uh, if you're interested in betting and that sort of thing. Not that I ever would endorse such an illegal activity in the state of Washington. <laughs> but how do you think this game's going to go? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm a bit surprised by the line as well. I actually would have thought uh, um, Washington State would get a little bit more um, action on that. But... With that being said, uh, you know, on the Utah Man podcast last night, we recorded that, and I've got Washington State winning uh, 31-17. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as, a, as a diehard U fan, it kind of hurts to say that, but, you know, it's kind of one of those deals. That they're struggling that much offensively yeah. um, that uh, I'm just not sure they can score enough points to keep up um, with Washington State, even against a good Utah defense. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think uh, Washington State gets this one. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but it should be an exciting game. Scott Olmer from the Utah Man Podcast. You can find the podcast at utahmanpodcast.com, and there should be a familiar voice uh, on this week's show as well, talking about Washington State, some dummy with big hair and a baritone voice. Uh, Scott, thank you again <laughs> for joining us. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Yeah, thanks for joining us last night, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man.
back here on the Coog Center Hour, and uh, it's it's not often we get to say this uh, really about any team at Washington State. We got to say it one week about the football team last year, and this is a program that has been one of the most consistent winners at WSU for years. And the WSU soccer team is now in the top ten in both polls, number eight and I believe nine in the coaches' poll uh, this morning, and the man responsible for running that team. Mr. Todd Schulenberg joins us. I just tripped over your name in like every way possible because my tongue did not talk to my brain. But coach, uh, this has been an incredible run. No losses, no ties even this year. Undefeated so far this season. What's been the biggest part of the success of this team so far? Well, they've grown a lot over last year's success through the Sweet 16, where I always say last year we were young and uh, we didn't know any better last year. And I'm not going to be knowing much more yet because we still have a young team here. But the, the, the key coming into the fall was how they're going to respond after, you know, uh, overachieving last year and getting to the third round of the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. I was challenging them every day to, you know, it's winning, winning's tough. If you think winning's easy, you're you got something coming to you. So we have to manage everything we had to do from day one and, and almost start over uh, uh, with the mindset. And they they ran with it. They, uh, as you said, are undefeated in non-conference. And then we started off pack ball play. I mean, you couldn't ask for a more difficult opponent other than maybe Stanford, USC, right yeah. on the gate, on the road. And uh, they've accomplished that. So now we just got to keep them hungry. You know, I said to them today in practice, exact words, okay, you beat UCLA last year, so what? You still got six plates. Yep. Not good enough for what I'm trying to do here, so we got to keep going. So I'm trying to keep them hungry. I want to touch on something you kind of mentioned there was actually last year's appearance in the NCAA tournament. We kind of busted through what's I kind of been a curse for this team has been that first round loss when they do get to the postseason. They were able to get to the Sweet 16, as you mentioned, losing to Florida uh, in the Sweet 16. But it, it was that that run through the tournament was incredible because it was you know beating UCF, beating Tennessee, and it kind of some unexpected late wins, some really clutch goals, winning I believe against Tennessee in a penalty kick shootout. That what did that do for this team coming into this year? Did it give them some extra confidence for the 2018 season after such a great run through the postseason? Absolutely, and I think what got us to where we got last year was the, the Pac-12 and how great this conference is. So you got the Pac-12, you have to battle week in and week out, day in and day out, practice everything, and you get into the tournament. Then you, it's not like you can breathe anymore, but it's fun to get off the West Coast and not play some of these giants in the Pac-12. And then coming into this year, it's the same thing. So they've built on that. They've been excited about that. And again, I, there's something in this locker room right now that uh, what I've noticed in the non-conference is we tend to let teams stick around. And no due respect to Grand Canyon, uh, I think the shots were 30-1. to 1. We actually scored double overtime, finally 1-0. Outside yeah. of that, we've handled our business in non-conference, and we scored numerous goals. That hasn't been done here. That's the thing that sticks out to me the most. We've put teams away we should. Now yeah. you have to play these. We always get up to these big games. And uh, we did again, and successfully did that last week. And, you know, another test this week with two great opponents coming to town here. You mentioned it uh, actually right there is the multiple goals in each game, except for that one against UCLA. But again, UCLA is a tough out for anyone. They were the number eight team in the country when you visited them in Westwood last week. But before that, only one game where you scored one goal, and it was that Grand Canyon game. What has really been kind of giving this offense juice so far in this 8 0 season? Well, we have depth. We've got competition every day. I mean, Morgan's going to be Morgan, Elise, and the group, but now they got to look over so a little bit because there's someone else coming too, which is great. When I got here, this is year four. We had to up the athleticism. We did. We had to up the amount of talent. We've done that, mm-hmm. and the competition bug got to even go higher. So that's really what it comes down to. We're putting them in environments in the practice every day, but they got to do it now against other players. It's not just going to be Morgan's day. 
Yeah, a one. Yeah, again, you're mad, you're mad, you're getting all these questions I have before. You're like a sorcerer or something. Morgan <laughs> Weaver, who is already close to her goal total from last year, I believe she had eight last year, or she's at seven or close to it this year. Uh, what what has her on that faster pace? Because you mentioned not it. You don't want the goal scoring to be just her, which makes sense. But what is kind of the impetus for her? You know, scoring goals at a quicker pace. Only about halfway through the season right now. Maturity and uh, she's getting better. I mean, two years in the Pac-12 will do for you. When she gets called into U23 national team camp for a couple times this past spring, I mean, that's growth, that's progress. Now you're playing against all the beasts in, in, the, mm-hmm. in the country. So uh, what we do here for her is also what she does for herself outside of here. And uh, that's been exciting to see and watch her. I mean, that UCLA goal was, I mean, not many kids can score that goal. She no. beat three players in the counterattack. She got her head up and she drilled a low post on the backside. That was a big time goal. That's an Alex Morgan back in the day type goal right there. <laughs> that's I that that is a good comparison. It's funny. if you can be compared to Alex Morgan, that's a really good comparison. Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit with the you know the high volume of goals. You're getting a lot of high volume of shots. Is that kind of an offense on? Is that kind of a philosophy on offense? I should say that we're just trying to get balls on the net because I you know I think for me. If you're just trying to get you know balls on the net, the opportunities are going to come. Whether it's off a you know a rebound off the goalie or just getting the ball somewhere in the area of the net, your offensive opportunities are going to show up. Yeah, one of our goals has been increase the shot on goal, as you said. Then the next step is the shot selection, and the third step is now finishing. And uh, you know, at some point, that ratio is going to balance out. Hopefully, more so when we get the, the shot selected, equivalent mm-hmm. to the shot and goal that we have scored, because. You know, you, know, you can easily fire 30 goals, 30 shots on goal. But, you know, in soccer, that's going to come back to bite you. you got to score. Your your numbers have got to balance itself out to some degree. Yep. Allowed, uh, on the backside of that, allowed just four goals in eight games. What makes this defense so stout? Because, you know, you look up and down uh, the schedule here. Seattle, you scored one goal. Nebraska got one. Montana and Cal Poly each got one. But, again, in games against Montana and Cal Poly, where you scored three and four goals respectively. So, you know, one goal doesn't hurt you too much there. What is making this defense so good this year? Because I believe in the past when we've talked, you know, defense has always been a point of emphasis for you. But what is making this defense kind of seem far and above what you've had there in the past? Well, a couple of things. I think the first thing, two of those goals were off the set piece. The Seattle was a set piece and the PK at Nebraska. So now mm-hmm. you're looking at two goals just in the run of play. Right. So each day the competition is fierce. You know, it's, if Grace has got to deal with Morgan at least Bennett every day, of course Grace and our back line is going to get better. So the repetition in front with better forwards coming at them has helped a lot. I mean, we pressed across the board from front to back. This isn't just a goalkeeping situation or a back four. This is our midfield. It starts up top with the horses up there and that's how we defend. We got parts to fill where we want to win it. We got parts to fill where we want to push them. And we got parts to fill where we're going to press them. And uh, it's been good. But yeah, give up two goals, uh, really, to me, uh, in the run of play um, since August 17th is, is pretty neat to see for sure. Yeah, I like not, I, as a former goalie, a guy who didn't play it very well but liked playing it, uh, I also like not letting balls behind me into the net. That's my, my favorite part <laughs> of soccer. Uh, I want to point out one person who I, I, just going up and down the stat sheet, I noticed something really impressive. Uh, Matty Haro uh, has something like half of the team's assists or almost half the team's assists, 17 total. She has eight on the season so far. Uh, is this, does she just have a nose for helping her, her teammates get to the goal or what about her makes her so special in terms of just, just getting the ball to the right place for her teammates to score? Well, I did too. She is number one in the nation right now in Division One for assists as well. Okay, so well, so see, I just my accolades weren't even enough. It would. I, it's, it's, you're right. So no, she deserves all that too. I mean, good, 
goodness me, eight assists in eight games. She's getting one a game. So it's her service, it's her timing. I mean, it's the quality of the ball she plays. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a senior. I mean, and it's not just off the of corner kicks. I mean, she has her targets there for us, but she's a left-footed attacking outside back that gets forward. Um, she's super skilled in the ball, and you know, Maddie scored some big goals for us last year, and he scored one exhibition this year for us. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's everything for her. She does it all right now. Um, she's confident, and again, when you start getting fast and you're confident, that helps even more as well. I want to talk about that a little bit because you mentioned uh, you mentioned kind of the you know these players have gone through the program. You've developed these players really well. You've been here uh, now your fourth year, as you said. Uh, but a lot of people don't think of the Palouse as a place where you're going to have a very good women's soccer team. I know I certainly didn't when I came to school there, but this has been a tradition at Washington State now for for over a decade is a very good women's soccer team. What is it about Washington State that can help you guys attract these really good players, or is it a matter of you're finding these players and developing them and getting them to where you want to be? Well, it's a little bit of everything, but I will say that, yeah, two years in a row, well, three out of four years against an L.A. team, UCLA, and our troop faithful was in full effect down there on Friday night with our fans, and uh, believe me, they're not liking it. We're, the, the talk we're getting, it's funny that UCLA and the Stanfords are worrying about us up here, as you say, because the reality is it shouldn't be like this, but all of us inside know that it can be like this, yeah. and that's where we're headed. Um, the facilities here are first class, first of all. The leadership up top with um, the way Pat and Ann McCoy have done for this and allowed me to do for this program here. Um, recruiting, I mean, I, I feel like it's an unbelievable university to get a degree. It's a safe place to get your education. Uh, excuse me, a great place to get your education. And uh, winning helps, too. Let's face it, winning helps. And we got a culture, and we know what kid we want. I am not mm-hmm. recruiting a Stanford girl. I'm recruiting that Washington State girl. Has a little bit of chip on her shoulder. Is extremely athletic. With a good value from, front, um, from top to bottom. Family values, core values, and all that stuff, and then there's a winner too. And uh, that's the kids we write. I mean, our resume of players, you look at it, yeah. Morgan and uh, Elgin come in here on the national team. So I'm not shooting our more of the staff. We actually have to put a plan for these girls, and then they do it. So we put a plan in place when they're here, and they take it and run with it. And that's on them. And that's where the success comes because we don't have these five star U.S. national team players coming to campus, mm-hmm. but when they leave, Ella next year will be a, a top draft pick in America, hands down. Morgan Weaver will be a top draft pick when she leaves here. So that's that's the fun part. That's the thing that gets me fired up every morning. I go wake up that we got a chip here and nobody likes it, and that's what keeps me going in this team as well. That is that is just the Palouse mentality, I think. That's just the Washington State mentality. Is everybody's got a chip on their shoulder because they didn't get recruited by the big schools, and that that is what helps everyone. I have one more question for you, Coach, before we let you go. Uh, you mentioned already the Stanford's, the USC's the UCLA's of the world that, you know, these are not easy outs in the Pac-12. And I think it's kind of a common theme for me that the Pac-12 is very, very good at women's sports, including, I'm sure you know the volleyball team that's improving. They still have to go, you know, it's it's a tough out every single weekend in the Pac-12. How Just give folks an idea of how hard this slog through the Pac-12 conference is, because I know as well, Colorado also a good team this year. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect again Colorado to be good, but they are a very good team. Yeah, but Arizona is loaded as well. I mean, this conference is, is you're right, is unbelievable. And the biggest thing, uh, my whole thing with this team is, is pretty simple here. We got my first job here is for these girls is let's win the Northwest region. So when it comes mm-hmm. to recruiting and winning games and everything, we want to win and beat the teams in the Northwest. So it's Seattle, U, Idaho, we did Montana, things like that. And then we want to get in and win the Pac-8. That's all teams outside the state of California. 
And then from there, if you start beating those teams in California, now you got something. So that's my thing is how we roll with it. And, uh, you know, it's one simple step and one simple process here and on how we want to get forward and how we evaluate ourselves in this program. Because you can't – everybody wants to go out and just win the Pac-12. But yeah. there's so many little steps to get there, and that's where we're headed, and that's hopefully where we can get someday down the road here. Head coach Todd Schulenberger. See, I got it out without tripping over myself 19 times there. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, sir. I appreciate it. No problem, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thunderhead of the week time, and I don't really have one this week, so I'm just, uh, I'm using this space to very briefly, uh, <laughs> Bill, oh my god, dude, <laughs> all you had to do was hire a football coach and coast on to retirement with the more money you're getting paid down at Nebraska, and my god, is it going badly, mm-mm-mm. Like, I swore to God I wouldn't be bitter about this. And I swore I wouldn't, like, take pleasure in Nebraska being 0-3 and being, like, a really bad 0-3, too. Like, really struggling to, like, win at all. But, no, I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> I try to keep me above this kind of stuff because I, I totally get why Bill Moose moved on. He wasn't going to be extended by WSU. He got more money from Nebraska. He leveraged that, you know, get more money for a longer period of time. It's easier for him to retire, but man, all the guy had to do was hire a football coach. And man, Scott Frost is just the the prodigal son has returned, and I think everybody in Lincoln is ready to kick him back out again. It doesn't help that my number two college football team, the Michigan Wolverines, were responsible for that absolute beatdown they gave the Cornhuskers on Saturday. What was it, like 56 to 10? Something like that. So I, I, I have my four screens in my TV room at home where I watch all the college football I can. I, I try to put the best game on the big TV, and nope, I put that one on. It was, it was just a boring, awful football game in the second half, but nope, that got on the big screen because I wanted to watch the rest of that game. <laughs> oh, Bill. All you had to do was hire a football coach. Not going well for you so far as a big guy. Oh, love it. Ask Michael anything. Ask Michael anything. Most of them about Porter Gustin, by the way. We already covered that a little bit. Uh, at WSU Coatster, Cody Jewell, should there be a process for the Pac-12 to review targeting penalties after games are done and dole out punishment if in-game it was missed? I This is just something I'm not totally comfortable going with. You know, the league completely usurping 
their referees and doing that. But again, if you've shown such gross incompetence um, from your referees over the years, I, it can't be that far behind. But it's just I'm not totally comfortable going that way. I'm As a former referee, it doesn't make me terribly comfortable. Uh, at I am Eric Russell. Eric, who will start at QB for us next year? This is another question you're going to have next year, right? Because Gardner Minshew's a graduate transfer. Trey Tinsley's still there. Anthony Gordon's still there. If Cameron Cooper's not totally ready by next year, I would probably expect maybe another grad transfer unless Mike Leach is comfortable enough with Trey Tinsley or Anthony Gordon because I think it might take Cameron Cooper. He was pretty raw during the spring practices so unless and during the fall practices for that matter. So unless he's really making these big strides over the course of a year, I would expect it to either be Tinsley Gordon or maybe another graduate transfer. Not who... I'm not sure who that would be at Aiden Brown. Aiden, if Porter Gustin was to be suspended again, how long would it be just? I mean, at this point, it's not just this one that he got suspended for, right? So it's it's multiple times he's been suspended for targeting. So it's just like, if he's not getting the message, it's like, I don't know what's going to help. Maybe a game or two. Probably two games. If this is multiple times you've been talking about this, that might be enough to send the message. At WSU Brady 27 he's got a couple thoughts on standing during games. Do we need standing only sections? Have a block of us that apparently stand and cheer too much. Big moments, but I, I, I try to stay seated while gameplay is going on, just out of courtesy to the people behind me. Stand and cheer after the play is over, stuff like that, but big moments, everybody stands up. I think that's fine. I, we don't need a standing only section, mostly because I can't stand for that long. I have the endurance of a, I don't know, something that doesn't have a lot of endurance. <laughs> Uh, at Kirkland Signature Pumpkin Stossel Muffin Totes McStose. We're going on a theme here. What's the best type of Costco muffin? Man, you know it's been so long since I had a Costco muffin, but those poppy seed are clutch. They are so good. I'm also just a sucker for a good poppy seed muffin. Lemon poppy seed muffin. If you want some, if you want to get on my good side forever, lemon poppy seed muffins. I will give you my address to anybody who DMs me on Twitter. At VinceG55, Vince Grippy, why don't you have that grippy guy on every week asking for a friend? His appearance fee is way too high. Just way, way too high. Like, demanding, too. Like, a personal masseuse and, like, a green room and it just... All the Diet Coke he wants. It's just, it gets, it gets, it gets a lot of control, guys. You gotta, you gotta keep the divinus down a little bit, you know what I'm saying? That's a just, it's, it's just, we can't, we can't meet his demands. My producers can't either. They're too busy sniffing catnip. Washington State, 24, Utah, 17. Relatively low scoring, but I think WSU does enough uh, to win this one. 4-1 and one after the month of September, if they can do it. And I think that would be better than anybody expected. Certainly, they're already to the win total I expected for this season. So, that would be encouraging. We'll see you guys there for homecoming. I hope everybody's going over. We're going to have a great time this weekend in Pullman. We'll see you next week on the Cook Center Hour.